Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 99 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel, Peter Jones, and Todd Widener will eventually be here. The whole family is together for episode 99. It's actually our 100th episode, but since we started with zero, we'll still call it 99 and celebrate 100 next week. Uh, thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RNA Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. You can find us on Twitter at AVG Cheese. You can find us on the internet at www.avgcheese.com. And if you'd like to send us a question, you can do it on Twitter or you can email us at avgcheese at gmail.com. Peter, good to see you. Good to see you too. I'm okay. <laughs> like like all Packers fans, I think, at this point, wondering what on earth is going on. Where do we go from here? How worried should we be? And you had suggested, Peter, that we do an episode after the game. That's never going to fucking happen. <laughs> I'm just saying that right now. If you heard that quarter hit the jar, that's the reason why we will never do an episode right after a Packer loss, because I would immediately go broke. So it's episode 99, Peter. I bet this is a great number, just like 98. Gabe Wilkins, 98, 99. Another one of those surprising numbers in Packers history where there aren't that many outstanding 99s. I thought of Don Davey being a badger and all of that. But for me, it had to be John Dorsey, which again takes us back to our Packer-loving days of the 1980s. And I think I, th- I guess as much for his um, work in the front office after his playing career had finished as as his playing career itself. Probably more so. <laughs> yeah. Fourth round draft pick of the Packers in 1984. Played five years before being injured and missing the 89 season and, and that pretty much ending ending his career. Mainly played as a, as a special teams and backup inside linebacker. Played in 76 games over that period, starting in 15. But still holds the Packers record for special teams tackles in a season. 35 tackles he had in 1980. 85 or 86. I don't think anybody gets close to that kind of number these days. Pretty impressive performance. And then, like I say, his playing career ended when he was injured in 89. Went into the front office for the Packers as a a scout and then eventually went with Mike Holmgren to Seattle then came back to the Packers where he was the director of college scouting for more than a decade and was one of the guys responsible for drafting the players that won Super Bowl four. 2010 season moved on to stints with the Chiefs and then GM with with the Cleveland Browns. It's currently a somewhere in the front office at, at the Lions, so it's oh. not the GM, not the GM role or or, or a director of college scouting role, but kind of a I think kind of a consulting role now with the with the Lions. His front office career, as I've kind of quickly gone through, there is 
kind of two or three times the length of his playing career. But, you know, but was a decent backup linebacker in the in the mid to late 80s for the for the Packers and probably as good a 99 as the Packers have had. One of Todd's favorite players of all times wore 99 for the Packers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before there was Tyler Lancaster or Dean Lowry or, I don't know, Josiah DeGuara or A.J. Hawk, there was Jamal Reynolds. Jamal Reynolds, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Todd hated Jamal Reynolds. We would say that Jamal Reynolds was only good at keeping his jersey clean. Like he could wear the same jersey week after week after week after week because he would never get dirty. He was never down on the ground. All Jamal Reynolds was good for was to try to run around the tackle. If the tackle would line up wide like a wide out, Jamal Reynolds would still have tried to run around the outside of him to get to the quarterback. I miss Jamal Reynolds. Jamal Reynolds would have put a new wing on Veterans Outreach of Wisconsin all by himself if he was a current Packer or if we would have been doing the, doing the Average Cheese podcast at that time. And for those people that don't remember Jamal Reynolds, and I'm sure most of our listeners do, he was the Packers' first-round draft pick in the 2001 draft. I believe he was the 10th overall pick in that draft. Out yep. of Florida State, right? We thought, oh, here we go. Yep. We're going to get a pass yep. rusher. We got a piece of crap is what we got. He was terrible. He was the first guy I remember Todd beating up on consistently. Oh, how I miss him. And I'm sorry Todd's not here to say something positive about Jamal Reynolds right now because he probably cussed like 16 times in a minute. Probably why he's not here yet. He knew you would mention Jamal Reynolds and simply couldn't couldn't afford to he be He couldn't on. afford it. He's got <laughs> yeah. two kids in private school. He can't afford this shit. That can't happen. So some slices Todd's not here to pick on for this either, but Rashawn Gary has another sack and really should be up 7-3. It wasn't for Darnell Savage and his foolery screwing that up last week. Gary 6, Hutchinson 3 on in the challenge. Todd's going to end up doing the polar plunge, so that's exciting. Speaking of polar plunge, Peter is kicking the crap out of everybody in the average cheese pick them. And I have a long way to go, or I'm going to also be doing the polar plunge. You're way up front, Peter. You're very impressive. I don't know why I ever doubted you. I'm telling you, just pulling the pulling the teams out of a hat works all the time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's how you do it. Well, you're doing that's a great do job it. pulling them out of your ass. <laughs> nice. Well done. Dan Snyder is in the news again, which is apropos since we play the Commanders this week. I did see that. Robert Ursay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, came out publicly and said that they should be taking a vote on removing Dan Snyder as owner of the Commanders, which is a real big step forward, right? I mean, we can talk about it, and we have, right? We were way out front on this Daniel Snyder thing shit. Todd, you and I were talking about this Daniel Snyder Redskins slash football team slash Commanders way back. Yeah. Way out front. The local news here is saying that he's got dirt on other NFL owners. Apparently, he's locking and loading himself, or at least he's alleging that he's had private investigators hired and has dug up all kinds of dirt on other owners to kind of, I guess, shift the blame off himself. Right. 
Right. That says something right there, right? If that's your, I'm not innocent, but I'm going to go and find dirt on the rest of you motherfuckers. I'm taking you all down with me. Oh, let that happen, right? That'll be, oh, that'll be great talk for us. Let it happen, please. I did see on Twitter today that Jerry Jones is fully in his corner. So does that mean that he's got more dirt on Jerry Jones than the rest of those fools? And Jerry's like, okay, bro, it's fine. You're doing a good job. Just stay where you are, stay in your lane, and leave me out of it. You know, oh, no. They, they go way back. I guess the, for a long time, they've kind of been allies. They have said that they, they think that, I mean, he might even have stuff on Jones. I'm, all, I'm here for it. backstabbing. I bring up the RG3 book one more time. Where the heck is that? And when is that coming out? I think it's oh. perfect timing right now. Right. Drop yeah. that bomb on everybody. Yeah, well, that was around a year ago, wasn't it? A long time ago. I love that guy. As far as like a commentator, he is awesome. He's is he really local? He, no, DC. he. What is he on, Peter? He's on. Um, he's on one of the networks. I don't. I have no idea. I'm all here for the the dirt, man. That'll give us plenty of shit to talk about in the off season. Please let it fly, Daniel Snyder. If you had to dig up dirt and you found a bunch of stuff. The only team that'll be left standing is the Green Bay Packers because they don't have an owner. Well, they have us. Oh shit. He's not gonna start digging up dirt on me, is he? <laughs> right. I'm fucked. I'm four years from retirement, Dan, so you keep that shit to yourself. Is that would that be one big dossier he's got? Oh my gosh, it'd be like a Bible. It'd be so thick. You ever see those old, really, really old really books old. that they printed like in ancient, like in France in the medieval times or like 700 pages? That'd be the dossier on Dale's dirt. What else? Injury updates. Randall Cobb, ankle, not must not be broken out a couple weeks, not even putting him on IR. As of right now, I just checked before the show, Randall Cobb is not going to IR. Really? At least hasn't. I shouldn't say isn't going, but hasn't yet. Right. Didn't look good, did it? It didn't. Because he tried to go to his back. Did you see that? He tried to launch himself onto his back. That was very scary. And to watch Randall Cobb tear up on the way out was, what's her name? Erin Andrews? Somebody started talking. She started tearing up. You could hear her choke up when she saw Randall Cobb right off the field with tears in his eyes. It looked almost like a, a career ender. You got to think that this is either Cobb's last year or maybe he's got one more year left in the tank. And then it almost looked like he was realizing that that was it. I was like, holy shit. I think a lot of a lot of Packer fans are thinking the same thing. Peter, when does Sammy Watkins come back? Does he have to come back now that Cobb's gone? What do you think about that? <laughs> I think he comes back as soon as he's ready to come back. With the Cobb situation, with Christian Watson – being injured, not injured, then putting him on IR, not going to put him on IR. You know, I, I think they're going to bring Watkins back as soon as he's ready to come back. You know, when that'll be, who knows? And for how long? His whole career has been a career of, of stop-start in terms of playing, delivering when he's been on the field, but just hasn't got on the field as much as teams would have liked. I think they have to bring him back as soon as he's ready to come back. Todd, do you bring him back when he's healthy or do you just keep him on the sideline and hope he can be there for a stretch run? What other options do we have? <laughs> I mean, you almost have to bring him back in a way. 
there's no one else to throw the football to at this point, unless they are considering an outside move. But Sammy Watkins, we said this before the season, he's not, you know, they made a lot of noise and a lot of like thinking that this was going to, this guy was going to come in and, you know, lead the wide receiver core. He's an underachiever as far as like where he was drafted and what his upside was supposed to be. And he's just kind of bumped around from team to team and can't stay healthy. We knew that coming in. And now here we are going through the, the typical Sammy Watkins season, not producing, hurt, on IR, off IR, inconsistent. So, but at this point, <laughs> I mean, with Cobb out, what else is there? Winfrey? Jawan Winfrey. And that poor dude dropped that easy ball early. It's like, bro... Come on. I think, I think he's done. Like, you can only activate him like three times in a year, and they already have. Well, now, the, Peter, are they stuck with him now? Like, they have to keep him on the roster or they have to cut well, him? Huh? Yeah. So they've got the choice now. They either keep him on the roster or, or they, the, they can't send him back to the practice squad without him clearing waivers. So that's that's the rule now. So so previously, that they had those free elevations. But the third one, they can get him back to the practice squad if he clears waivers, which I'm sure he would, actually. Yeah, but Of course um, he would. I think they're going to keep him on the active roster anyway. With Cobb going down, with the situation said with Christian Watson being up in the air and his hamstring injury, I think he stays on the on the active roster anyway. The interesting thing for for me, and I saw somebody on Twitter comment on this the other day, so it's not wasn't my thought, but it's a really interesting one, and I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Samari Torre, who made the fifty three. Hasn't played a single down. And Winfrey, who didn't make the 53 yeah. and ended up on the practice squad, has played three games. Right. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just a bit odd. What do you think about that, Peter? Why is that? I just think it's odd. They clearly, with Torre making the 53, they clearly didn't want to subject him to, to waivers or somebody signing him off the practice squad. That could be the only thought at the time that he made the final 53. They obviously think of Winfrey higher in the pecking order right now than they do Torre. It's just it's just strange. But it's in line with all the other personnel problems on this team right now. Throw, it, in, throw it into the no, bag. <laughs> nothing totally surprises us right now. Right. Well, it sort of goes along with Rayan Rodgers won't throw the ball to rookies. You know, we'll keep Winfrey, elevate him and play him because he has some experience and Rodgers will throw the ball. I don't know. It's time to give Samari Toure a shot, right? Or somebody. Well, if Watson doesn't come back, then there's nothing else. You got to put that guy out there and see what he can do. You did it for Romeo Dobbs, and he's produced for the most part. Other injuries, Tipa Nalier's on RER. Big fucking deal. Maybe it hurts on special teams. I don't know. Jake Hansen injured his biceps because I'm sure that Quinn and Williams stepped on him on the way to the quarterback. Stepped on his bicep and hurt him because holy shit! Yeah, didn't no didn't Hanson come in for Newman get hurt and then Newman had to come back? Yes, I mean that's exactly how it happened. Just swapping out the bag of trash. Holy fuck, <laughs> they were terrible. So we have questions from friends. Peter puts this on. That had to have been you, Peter. Put this on Twitter, right? Like, do you have any questions for us? And I, because I'm an idiot, and I just start answering the questions right there on Twitter instead of waiting, <laughs> waiting until the episode. But I here goes questions from friends, and thank you to Rob Paul, Rev Treb, and Zero Doinks. Even though that's not a real fucking question, we'll talk about that in a second. First one is for you, Todd. 
Oh. From, from Rob from across the pond. He says, how much of a leash is 12 on both on the field and off? None. It's clear. <laughs> he, he is, uh, there is no, there is, there is no coach player relationship. I don't think going on between him and the floor or him and the organization. It's, you know, he's, I don't want to say manipulated, but he's maneuvered himself into a position where he's really not going to be told what to do. It's almost like a, a shoulder by shoulder approach. And he's on zero leash and he never will be um, until he finishes out his career, at least in green Bay, that is. And, and this coaching staff, absolutely second, zero. Second part of that question. What's your take on, we must do better. This is LaFleur saying this. We must do better to get Aaron Jones touches. He what says does that, that for mean? multiple games. So I don't know what that means. Assuming he's referring to himself and the coaching staff, but it's been two games in a row. Or, I mean, you could just say the entire season he hasn't gotten enough touches as a whole so far and through six games. But you must do better, then fucking get better, LaFleur. What did he have, four touches in the first half? Ten total touches in this game, I think. Yeah, I can't remember. and it just continues to do that. I don't get it. Nobody does. He's your playmaker. He's the only playmaker. So I don't know what most we must do better is. I, I think he's referring to himself and his coaching staff. If he is, start doing it. Peter, the next one is for you. This from Paul, also our friend from across the pond. Did we miss an opportunity to trade Rodgers like Seattle did? The short answer to that question is yes. Right. That doesn't mean that that's the right answer to the question. And I think it simply depends on where your head was during the offseason and whether you thought the Packers were close enough to being a Super Bowl team that you stick with the quarterback who's just won 39 games over the last three years and four MVPs and two consecutive MVPs, et cetera, et cetera. Because if you believe the Packers were that close, then really you can't make that move because your opportunity to win Super Bowls is few and is few and far between. And when you have them, you have to do your utmost to take them. If you didn't believe the Packers were that close, then yes, you take the opportunity to make that trade and pick up three number one picks and the equivalent of a Noah Fant and whoever else Seattle Seattle got from, from Denver. But personally, I would have come down on the side of of, of making the trade then. What what I will say is I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to the to the question because lots of stuff can be said in hindsight and and you don't know if they'd made that trade whether this year it turned into a total disaster. The draft picks could have been wasted and would so there's no right necessarily a right or wrong answer to that question. But I but personally I would have I would have gone down that route. But then I'm a draft guy and every and everything else and a sure. long term guy. So I think it just depends on how close you thought the Packers were to being a Super Bowl team this year. So Seattle needs to nail a bunch of draft picks and be good. Otherwise, they're going to look at this down the road and go, holy shit, we gave up Russell Wilson for a pile of garbage. And you also have to accept that when you do that, that you can't expect to pick up draft picks that are going to be all pros in their first year. That's not the way this league works. The occasional one will be, but you have to look on drafted players, even number one picks, as somewhat of projects. Sure, there'll be the occasional one, as I said, doesn't fit that pattern, but generally that's the pattern. And so as fans, if, you, if you'd if you been one of the fans, understandably, 
pushing for let's make that trade, you also have to understand what that means for the next two or three years. I mean, Quinn and Williams is exhibit A. I mean, he wasn't a rock star in his first two seasons either. And he he looks like a different player than he's been. He has really elevated his game recently. And it's not just this game against Green Bay. Next question is from Rev Trev, and I will take this one. Why can't we stop the run still? Despite drafting defensive players, picking up guys like Devondre Campbell and free agency, and then how do we fix it? The problem that the Packers are running into is two things. One, the way that their outside linebackers play in this defense, you really only have five guys in the box stopping the run. Gary and Preston Smith crash down and they, they rush the passer. So you have a very light box on every play, regardless of how many guys you have, because you only have your three defensive linemen and your two linebackers. Your outside guys, at least the guys the Packers have, don't seem to really do anything against the run. That's why teams can run inside that tack from that tackle spot because they run inside of Gary and Preston Smith over and over and over again. The other part of it is personnel that we have, Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker are sideline to sideline guys. They're fast, they're long, they're athletic, but they're not going to thump anybody in the hole. So what did we do? Okay, we TJ Slayton is an upgrade at the nose, I would say, when you are able to move Kenny Clark outside. Jaron Reed, I think, is an upgrade from Dean Lowry or Tyler Lancaster or whatever shitbag players we've had there. But if you only got five guys in the middle, I don't know how you can possibly stop the run. And the other part to that is I don't think Joe Barry will make any t- kind of changes ever to their defense within game situations. They don't have roster flexibility and they don't have mindset or scheme flexibility. Barry's not going to all of a sudden throw Amos in the box and keep him there until guys start throwing the ball against us. I just think he plays what he plays, and that's that. Yeah, no, I mean, I would add to that by saying I don't think that Barry, Mike Pettin, or Dom Capers saw stopping the run as a necessary thing to do to win in today's NFL. Right, you're wrongly. I think their systems are all about stopping the pass, giving up yards on the ground was a necessary thing to do in order to prevent the big play. I'm not saying that's the right approach. I'm saying that's what I believe that their approach was, and that covers the last 15 years or so of, of Packers defensive coordinators. You know, they always talk about how the NFL is a copycat league. If everybody is playing the 3-4 and you have linebackers, quote-unquote, playing defensive end, maybe this is going to become a running league again. Maybe they're going to switch things back and they're going to start running the football against smaller defenses because – You've got 320-pound linemen blocking a lot of times 270 or 280-pound outside linebackers slash defensive ends. Well, how many times did you see Jair Alexander out there? Yeah, with a lineman coming huge, at him. Huge tackle bearing down on him, and he's the only one out there to set the edge. It happens over and fucking over. And, and Barry just well, he's just too hard-headed to, to switch out of his system and make an adjustment, period. And the last question is from Bill from Zero Doinks. What round draft pick would you give up for Dante Pettis? <laughs> the answer to that, Bill, is they only have seven rounds. If we went back to 17 rounds in the draft like they had in the 50s, maybe a 15th or 16th round, 
that's what I'd give up for Dante Pettis. And Justin Fields is a bust, and the Bears still suck. So fuck you. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on. Sorry. (laughs) All I was going to say is what's bizarre about Dante Pettis. So that's the guy that set the NCAA record for career punt returns for touchdowns and has hardly returned the punt at all in his NFL career. So seventh round pick? Is that what you're saying, Peter? (laughs) (laughs) No. He could do a job on the waiver wire for the Packers as a punt return. This question is from Dale from the Average Cheese. Do the Packers want to kick the tires on Deshaun Jackson as a punt returner? That quietness means no from both of you. I'm going to say that the answer is no. I mean, what's the price tag, I guess? 16 cents. I mean, yeah. no, he's out there. No one's touched him. You don't have to give up nothing for him. No. Better than Amari Rogers? Yeah. I'd say yes. But then so am I. So <laughs> So you're to be you're um, out there to be had on the waiver wire too? Yeah. Excellent. So let's get on to this fucking debacle. Oh. Yet's 27, Packers 10. As we always do, let's start with the offense. Let's start with the good. Peter uh, yeah, crickets. Yeah. Robert Tonyan caught 10 passes, right? Yes. So that's as many as he'll have in any game. And, and, and he did look at very nearly 100 yards, I want to say, that he had received. So I think that's a nice effort and good to see him being involved and included in the, in the passing game. Some of those came in like prevent defense in the game situation, I thought, too, but. Not to put a negative on it, but I will. Lazard also had four catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. That's a 19-yard per catch average. That's a pretty big average for Alan Lazard. Yes, he caught that one long one, but it's nice to see him being able to be dynamic in his routes. I mean, with his size, you'd think he would just be an over-the-middle guy, but Rodgers trusts him You know, going deep on plays. I think of the guys on the field – Alan Lazard and Aaron Rodgers have a little bit of chemistry, a little bit of synchronicity or whatever you want to call it. They get what each other wants on a play. But he's trying to do things with Lazard that he used to do with Devontae Adams. And Agreed. it's and there's a there's a there's a steep drop off there in in my opinion, as far as like the, the type of receivers those two are. The only good I think I I saw is I I really only think that the only two players on the offensive side of the football who look like they even give a fuck is Lazard and Jones. They're the only two. Everyone else, just by their body language or whatever, uh, just doesn't look like they give a fuck anymore when they're out there, that that they don't even feel like playing or want to be out, out there. Lazard looks like he cares, like it matters to him, like he's pissed, like... You can kind of see it. He's got some intensity. Everyone else? Alan Lazard also knocked that cheese head off fucking Sauce Gardner's head. That was was good. Yeah, because fuck that guy. Yes. I don't know what you would wear as a Jets fan because they haven't been good since, like, the Stone Age, so they don't have anything cool like a cheese head. They're just happy to get out of there without getting mangled. So, anyway, so good for you, Alan Lazard. And our favorite wide receiver, Amari Rogers, caught one pass for 14 yards. He was open, too. They probably left him open because they're like, <laughs> they're never throwing the ball to that fool. 
Was, that was in garbage time too. Wasn't it? Pass, man. I, I mean, the whole gar- the whole game was garbage, so it's hard to pinpoint. Right <laughs> the whole game is garbage time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Todd, let's start with you with the bag. There's a lot of stuff here, so you can take anything you'd like. I've been thinking about this. Well, I I had to have a day of I don't know clarity before I started to rethink things. But I will start with when I was texting you and I wasn't getting any response. I was like. <laughs> You didn't. I was so at pissed. That I, point, I just kept on texting you, even though I knew you wouldn't respond. And the only reason I was doing that was for like your own therapy. I, no, I was keeping no, it was like notes for the podcast. <laughs> so I could go back. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know where to start with all of the known problems and lack of talent in the wide receiving core. And now you mix in an absolutely porous offensive line. They were running these stunts. You would think an experienced professional offensive lineman would would know when the stunts are coming or or know how to adjust to them, but they were just. I mean, that's it's a normal kind of defensive line strategy, right? They did it over and over and over, and they could not fucking pick it up. In particular, Royce Newman, is, as far as like personnel is concerned, he needs to be fucking benched immediately. <laughs> Your philosophy of moving Nyman out to the right tackle, you bring Jenkins, Jenkins into guard. That has to happen. That like there's no no more delaying that. No more trying to just roll it out there. But Royce Newman is fucking horrible. Fucking horrible. And they had to keep running his stupid ass out there over and over. They tried to pull him and then the other kid gets fucking hurt. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't know the whole, the whole thing. And then Roger's body language in this game was just like, he didn't give a shit. He just didn't care. It, it really looked like he didn't care. Things started to go bad. Three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Didn't really phase him. I mean, th- they couldn't get anything going. I mean, you, you had nothing in the passing game. And when you can't even protect the quarterback, and receivers who can't get open, and then you try the run game, and you have an offensive line who can't open any holes to run through. I mean, how many times did you see Dylan or Jones either get stopped barely across the line of scrimmage, at the fucking line of scrimmage, or behind the line of fucking scrimmage? I mean, it had to have been, I bet there was a dozen times, at least. So it's a complete like the train is completely off the tracks, way off. I'm done, kind of. It clearly starts up front. Didn't Rogers look every year of his 39 years on Sunday? He's always been a reasonably mobile quarterback. Obviously, he's got older, he's got less. He didn't look like he could avoid a sack even if he wanted to on Sunday. He looked almost looked like he's gotten old overnight. Through this season, and I'm no expert on these things, but it also looks like his arm strength isn't what it was. Now, I, I don't – his accuracy, accuracy certainly isn't, isn't what it was. Now, yeah, it, there were one or two drops as well. That doesn't, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't help. I think all round it's a worrying situation because I'm not sure that just fixing one aspect, whether that's the offensive line, whether that's – them somehow being able to conjure a receiver out of somewhere. 
whether fixing just one aspect fix it fixes the problem because I think there's multiple things to to be resolved on on offense. They couldn't run the ball as Todd said. The offensive line was poor. Rogers looks like he's he looks like he's every bit of his thirty nine years where he didn't look like that last season. Every time they went out on offense, you didn't feel like they were going to move the football. And it, and and you know the offense has now put up ten points in the last six quarters. I put it on Twitter if. Mason Crosby doesn't kick that field goal. The Packers went an entire game without scoring. Four quarters, second half of the game before, first half of the game this week. If he doesn't kick that field goal at the end, they hadn't scored in four quarters. That's unbelievable. Where did most of the pressure come from in this game? Hard to say. I mean, through the everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I <laughs> they don't know that stick there their was finger a, in any a, hole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everywhere. There really was. I mean, you have. Let, let's be honest. You paid a lot of money for Bakhtiari. Very patient in his recovery to come back. Finally, get him. He's not right either. He's not the same player. Let's just be honest. Is he better than anything that we got? Yes, but he's either he's not ready, but he's certainly not the player he used to be. He was dominant, oh. right? Like you could, could yeah. just guarantee that the guy playing across from him wasn't going to touch for Aaron Rodgers ever right. in any game. I'm with you. Yeah. I guess my point was most of the pressure was coming from up the middle, I thought. That's why the Packers running game couldn't get started either because they were just blowing up Newman. They were blowing up Myers. They were blowing up Runyon. Yeah, how, about Runyon you run, was- how about you roll Aaron oh. Rodgers out once? Once. In that game. Now, you just said, Peter, that he's too slow to get out of the pocket. But don't you have to move the pocket a little? No, you don't yeah. think so? Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. I'm, I think you have to try. I just think that I guess where my head was that, yeah, you see quarterbacks get pressure. Right. But in, today, in today's NFL, you expect the quarterback to be able to avoid some of that pressure. Once you get to the situation where you're getting that constant pressure and most of it was up the middle, even if they weren't getting to to, to Rodgers, is, yeah, you have to move the pocket. I just don't know with that whether they're confident enough with the offensive line to be able to to, to move that pocket out. I guess they don't want to get Rodgers outside the pocket and, and expose him to, to being hit. Yeah, it could be that too. The other thing was I think that Aaron Jones' best run was that we're in the shotgun, the running back is next to me, and we just pitch it to him outside. That seems like a, something you could do too. Or the wide receiver screen, or you uh, double guys up and play them on, they stack them on top of each other and throw the ball out in the flat. If you can't get the ball out quickly, you can't ask your quarterback to take a five or a seven step drop and be back there to throw the football. There's too much pressure on him. My whole point to all of this is make a fucking adjustment, change anything to try something new when you aren't scoring any points at all. What you're doing isn't working. Stop trying to do the same thing over and over again when it isn't working. And we're talking not just for a quarter. We're talking about for an entire game, a game and a half now, because really nothing happened this entire game offensively. When was the last time you saw Jenkins with three penalties? I'll tell you why he had three penalties. Because he's, he's playing, playing right out tackle. Of fucking position. He's not yes. a right tackle. Exactly. And when when is that going to change? It better fucking so change obvious. soon. Because I'm going to go broke. 
can't take it anymore. <laughs> I I just want to I want to say this. If you listen to us and you watch the fucking guys on Twitter, they must be listening to me too because I've been saying put Yash Nyman at right tackle for weeks, and all of a sudden on Twitter, I see a lot of people saying we should try it because why wouldn't you at this point? He Jenkins played there almost half of the last year. It's Didn't stupid. He? Yes, I know that we don't watch practice every day, but I watch games and I watch Royce Newman literally get run the fuck over on an off, on a plastic play. Run over like he was a high school kid. You're going to put Jake Hansen out there <laughs> because that's a better alternative. Jake Hansen has a 20 PFF grade. Yeah. 20.6. <laughs> In pass blocking, 20.6. That's it. The end. That's all I have to say. And you thought that was a better thing than put Yash Nyman at right tackle and move guys around. Fucking just unbelievable. You mentioned Runyon. I mean, he might have had just as bad of a game, if not worse than Newman. I mean, he was turned around and put on his ass multiple times. And he could not pick up that stunt. At all, <laughs> none I mean, of them could. Clearly, none of them could. But that was a very confusing stunt. They ran eight thousand times in a row. Yeah, <laughs> that was absolutely <sighs> terrible. I'm going to say one positive. Somehow, somehow, the Packers won the time of possession battle in this game. Well, that's because they they were down in the in the end, and the Jets just played prevent. Well, that's all they did. That ran the fucking clock up. Big deal. Fuck that. That's not a positive. <laughs> oh, let's go to defense. Peter, we'll start with you on the good defensively. Well, I thought that um, for the most part, I thought that Jair Alexander showed up playing a lot of press man coverage for, for what seemed like the first time this season. And I don't know how many passes defense he had, but it seemed like like three or four. It seemed like Jaya was knocking those passes down regularly and was and was very tight to the receivers that he was covering. So I thought Alexander had a good game for the most part. Defense was was solid again for a half, given that they that the Packers won the time of possession battle. Wouldn't be right to say that the defense wore down, but I guess it got I guess it gets predictable. I guess that's what must happen, is the opposing offences know that that defence isn't going to change during the game. They're not going to be blitzed. You're not going to see you know, a safety come up, a Savage or an Amos on a safety blitz. So you're not going to see a corner blitz. You're not going to see anything other than what they run. And eventually, other teams adjust to what they're seeing. The defence doesn't so much wear down as it gets caught out in the second half, and I think that's what happened. I'll agree with Peter. I, I think Jair is really only seems to be the only person, I think, on the entire team that is playing well this year. <laughs> I mean, he's not playing a lights out, but he's playing well. Looks like he wants to be out there. Looks like he cares, and he had a good game. I mean, we've talked about him. He should be playing a lot more, man. It's one of the best corners in the league, and look look what happens. As far as good is concerned, that that's about the only sliver of good I, I saw. 
mean, they did hold Zach Wilson to 110 yards passing. And 41 of them came on that really fucking bad throw down the sideline. I guess I'm being overly positive about this. But if that's a good throw, that hits Stokes in the helmet. Like he threw that ball in a spot where if Darnell Savage had any clue what he was supposed to be doing out there and shading over there or, you know, trying to stay behind the deepest man, that should have been picked off because that ball just kind of hung out there and the receiver was able to come back for the football because Stokes never turns his fucking head around. It was such a typical Stokes coverage. Yes. Typical. Right there, head staring at, at the receiver. Here comes the ball. No clue. No clue. If if you take that play out, if for some reason that clown drops that football, I think it was Corey Davis. I don't remember who it was. Zach Wilson is nine for 17 for 69 yards in this game. Those are just abysmal quarterback statistics. Now it didn't happen. He caught, you know, he caught that football, but they defended the pass. Well, and like you said, for a half, they really, I thought they defended the run well too. And they just got run the fuck over in the second half. We started talking about the bats. So let's continue. Peter, what <laughs> else happened that you did not like on the defensive side of the ball? Between us, we pretty much said it. I, th- I think that other teams adjust. We don't We don't see those. We don't see that safety blitz. We don't see a corner blitz. We don't see anything different. We pretty much see two down linemen, two rush guys, Gary and Preston Smith, two inside backers, Four or five defensive backs on every on every down, and I think eventually that gets caught out. And I, and I think that Packers, as you've already said, the Packers struggled to stop the run in the in the second half. And you know, Zach Wilson only threw for 110 yards. He only needed to throw for 110 yards. It almost feels worse that they can win by 17 points only throwing for 110 yards than if they'd won by 17 points throwing for 400 yards. At least you could say, well. They threw the ball all over the field, and you can understand a 17-point difference. But to lose only giving up 110 yards in the air, rather, minus whatever the sack yardage was, so 100 net 100 yards or whatever passing yards, is somewhat disappointing. This is not defense, but this is my ugly. And I, I don't even know how to say this. It's going to come out wrong. So they had the Jets coach. His last name is Salah, right? Is it Robert yeah. Salah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had him on, and this is the part that really concerns me as a Packer fan. Talking about how they consistently wanted to lean on the Packers. We're going to continue to run the football. We're going to continue to run the football. And then when we get them out into deep water, they're going to realize that they can't swim. This is how I read that. We're going to punch these fuckers in the face over and over and over and over again and they're not going to respond at some point because that's the kind of team we have the packers are front runners and they will not punch back at some point when they get down they're done there's no comeback they're not digging themselves out of a hole they're not going to swim or figure out how to tread water they're going to drown they're just going to give up. And that is a huge concern for me. I 100% agree. 100%. Yeah, and I think one way of looking at, at that is if you take a step back and say the Packers have won three games this year. They've all been against teams that have got a 500 record or less. 
and the three games they've played against teams that have now got a winning record they've lost tells us where this team is right now. Are you talking about special teams? Hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. I apologize. Oh, no, no, no. Continue. Oh, yeah. So that's all kind of the mental side of things, right? I would say, for me, I would make personnel changes at this point. Three of them. I know it won't happen, but there's three personnel that are underperforming to the point of they're just a liability on the field right now. One is Dean Lowry, and we've talked about him for years. I don't understand what he's doing out there when we have other options, when we have another one, a number one draft pick sitting on the sideline. He should not be out there. He is the fucking worst. The other person I would sit, sit down and bench is Quay Walker. Let's be honest. He is lost out there. Cannot defend the run. Terrible against the run. Why is he even out there? Go put in McDuffie or Wilson, the dude that they just signed. They need to bench him. And the other person that needs to be benched is Savage. Put in Rudy Ford. Put in Keyshawn Nixon. Guys who can make plays. Guys who know where they're at on the field and can make, make a play on the ball. Those are the three, three personnel changes I would make right off the bat. You could clearly see that Quay Walker is not what they thought they were getting. I don't know. Maybe they thought that he was this. He is some freak of an athlete. But this dude, I mean, you saw a couple of the replays. He does not have a clue how to defend against the run. He's not big enough or strong enough to just stand upright in the hole against somebody. Right. When a 300-pound lineman is coming at him, he can't do anything with that. Yeah. Peter, I'm, I'm going to ask you because you're the draft guy. What did the Packers see in Quay Walker to make him a first-round pick? I never thought he was a first-round pick, right? So, But I'm not saying something now that I didn't say before the draft. The, and the why is that, that then? So the thing that made him a first-round pick for the, for the Packers was, I assume, would have been his RAS score. Right. Right, because... Because they've gone through this thing, but that coupled with the fact that he played in the SEC with Georgia, right? So he was playing high-level pressure football with a high rascal. For me, so I had him as a, as a second-round guy because my question mark, two question marks, were one, even though he made a lot of plays in the national championship game, other than that game, he didn't make enough plays for me. So he wasn't a dominant player at that level. And you're typically hoping that your first round pick is typically a dominant player in college. And two, the big question, but the big unknown, and we've said this before, was you're playing on such a good team surrounded by such good players, particularly up front. You know, Wyatt, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter will be a first round pick this coming year. Is how good do you have to be? to show up as being good on that defense. And nobody knows the answer to that question, but it is a que- it is a question mark when you're surrounded by that level of talent. Long answer to a short question. His athletic ability was clearly what they liked. And I would have imagined that they thought that they could also move him around. So that they could use him on third downs rushing off the edge, which they still which they still can. And I don't see why they why they don't do that, but I've not seen any evidence of them doing that. But I would imagine that they thought they were getting a player that was going to play every down and can be used in multitude of ways. There's also a number of players who are underperforming on this defense too. 
that are like, leave me scratching my head, like Stokes. Right now, Eric Stokes is a younger version of King. The only upgrade that we have in, in Stokes is that he's not hurt all the time like King. Other than that, there has been zero upgrade there at all. And I know you guys love Rashawn Gary. I do. And he's got six sacks in six games. When is he going to step up and start stopping the run? He sucks at stopping the run. And that goes for everyone. But he's not a, he's not a full player. He just isn't. Can he rush and put pressure on the quarterback? Great. I don't give a shit about the number of like you know pressures he had. Start stopping the fucking run and be a complete player, you idiot. And Kenny Clark, who I know you also love, where's he been? Where the fuck is he? He was not Again, very good. Underperforming. Game. I mean, you're talking about three number one picks, and there's more on this defense. But those are three of your number one picks who are all grossly underperforming and obviously savage, who should just be flat out benched. I am looking right now at PFF. Oh at God. the coverage grades. Look at the run, though. I think that's that's where we're... Right, because that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the Packers covered well in this game. The highest rated cover defender is Devondre Campbell. In man. The second highest is Quay Walker. I'll keep going. The third highest, Rudy Ford. Now, granted, on a very limited amount of snaps... Sure. Keyshawn Nixon is next, also on a limited amount of snaps. Okay. Then Jair, and then Eric Stokes. Razul Douglas has the worst coverage grade of anyone with real snaps. Throw him into the underperforming group, too. Where's he been all year after last year? Peter, I think it was you that said this is a one-year guy. Like he, this is his body of work after one year. I think no. I think that's always the concern with those guys. Is you know you you're taking a punt on them being more than what they showed in in one year when they've not showed it in any previous year. You're in kind of a no-win position. To be fair, I I, I think the question about Rezul Douglas is when he's played, he's played his whole career lined up on the outside and they're lining him up in the slot. Is it time that he's lined up on the outside and somebody else is playing that slot position? Yeah, but who that somebody else should be permanently, I don't know. Because because I agree I agree with Todd. I mean, I, I, I never really got on the Stokes bandwagon last year. I thought he had a solid year as a rookie. Got beat on some deep balls. And again, I don't think he's necessarily helped. Not so much in this game, but in... All the previous five games, when they're lining him up ten yards off the line off the line of scrimmage, when that's not his game. I did hear that Jair was going to follow their best receiver around. Great, do that. He's your best player. Let him follow that guy around. At least you know you're shutting down that receiver, and let Razul Douglas play in man and Stokes play in man. Let's see what happens. Anything else other than the Packers? who I thought were improving on special teams, have the worst PFF grade in the National Football League on special teams. I'm sure it doesn't help when you get a punt and a kick blocked in the same fucking game. And up until this point in the season, they were pretty good. It was actually the one squad 
that was almost dependable. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking the whole season, is this for real? (laughs) Is this going to come unglued at some point? And it did. It completely... Thing I don't understand, and I can't remember whether it was the blocked punt or the blocked field goal. I think it was the blocked field goal, but I might be I might be wrong. And again, I'm no expert on these things, but I believe I saw Isaiah McDuffie line up on the offensive line, on the blocking unit for either right. the punt or. The... I don't understand that. Yeah, because Coco's I... a little guy too. I mean, in the yeah. whole scheme of things, he's snapping the ball. He's what two thirty, two fifty, maybe. Yeah. You'd want to have some big guys next to him, probably. And a guy that's naturally used to blocking. You know, you've got, you've got, I mean, I don't know who else was out there, but you've got the backup offensive lineman. If you don't want to throw your starters out there, you've got Zach Tom and you've got Josh Nyman and you've got, yeah, it's like. Right. They're at least 300 pounds. (laughs) Right. But I'm taking my third or fourth string inside linebacker who's, I don't know. 220? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess there's some logic in that, but I don't. I don't understand it. That's what happened in the game against San Francisco, right? They got all these little guys up there blocking against 325-pound guys, and they don't know why they can't stop them. I don't know. Yeah, It was nice to see them block a punt, though, right? Like, that was – that hadn't happened in – That was Wilson. Ever. Yes. Yeah. That guy looks like he wants <laughs> – needs to be on the field. Just from that play alone. What else? Your boy Levitt. He has some good moments and he has some very bad moments. Too. He should be cut. He probably he should be, be cut. Like he's a dime a dozen. There's nothing special about that dude. You missed that fucking block. I mean, come on. I'm with you. That was disastrous. Absolutely was. disastrous. He picked he the wrong be, guy. He should be bro. cut. I'm not going to argue that. Even though the Packers aren't a step away from the Super Bowl. You have to make some changes. Like you said before with those guys on the defense, at some point you have to say enough is enough and someone the axe has to fall on somebody. Yeah. To it's prove a point. Like, we're not doing this. This is the Green Bay Packers. We are out there to win Super Bowls. Do your job or get the fuck out. Yeah. We don't have time for that. So speaking of getting out, I was hoping to be coming to see you this week to watch the Packers play the Washington Commanders. In a I'm not going. Game. Not going. No way. I hey, thought about it. I don't think you could afford to go after what you guys are putting in the swear jar this week. I yeah. know. Dude, if you could see how many quarters are in this thing right now. Oh, I have no man. idea. I have one left, so no more cousin. But before we move on to that game, I did wear my throwback jersey that you guys got me this past this past weekend. And you look spectacular oh, nice. in it. <laughs> your Dan Curry jersey. It didn't. It didn't give us. A, didn't bring us a lot of luck, though, did it? No. No. You did look good in it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Redskins slash football team slash Commanders, Peter. What can we expect out of these guys? Carson Wentz won't be playing at quarterback, so Tyler. Heineke will be playing. From their offensive perspective, I'm more interested in their running game, which hasn't really got on track this season. So um, you can probably say that for a lot of the commanders teams, the two and four team. But if you're the commanders, I would expect in, I would be expecting that they're going to run the ball a lot. Yep. As we've seen 
in recent weeks with other teams, going back to the New England game where they just ran the ball. Everybody knew they were going to run the ball and the Packers still couldn't stop it. I, I think we're going to see a lot of that this weekend with Brian Robinson, who's kind of played the last couple of games, third round pick out of Alabama, and Antonio Gibson, who we liked when he was drafted two or three years ago as kind of a running back slash wide receiver slash this slash that kind of guy. So I think we're going to see those two guys all, all day until the Packers stop them. Brian yeah. Robinson is on Dale's fantasy team. He had a is regular, pretty good game last week. Who do you have? Brian Robinson. Oh, really? He yeah. got shot this year. Coming off the gunshot. Yep. Jesus. Did you see that he ran in? You know how they do the introductions or whatever? And he ran into many men by 50 cent because it's talking about many men have shot me oh really yes Excellent. the nfl's gonna find him probably for that probably did that was the first yeah. that was just not this game but the last game he came into love it he's still a hood rat but i love that about him that's why i put him on my fantasy team because i don't have to deal with his personality i just need him to run the football i hope he sucks this week though but not this week yeah yeah <laughs> They got a great defensive line that scares the crap out of me after the Jets who, I mean, Quinn and Williams. Okay. But this defensive line is a different animal. This is a better defensive line, even though Chase Young is out. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if Chase Young is in this game. Jesus Christ. The Packers, they scored negative points. Can you do that in a game? Cause Oh my gosh. Yeah. They, they, they would not have an answer for Chase Young right now. No. Deron Payne. Alabama guy, right? Yeah. Jonathan Allen. So their pressure is going to come from inside again. Yeah. And Montez Sweat. Oh, Montez Sweat. Yeah. If they have Chase Young, the Packers are in trouble. But they don't. Chase Young is out. Very good defensive line. Terry McLaurin, who I was hoping, you know, for some reason, even though the Packers never pull the trigger on anything, I was hoping the Packers would pick up Terry McLaurin. I'm a big fan of his. I think this game comes – Almost at the worst time. You've got another bad football team, an away game for the Packers. You would think that it would be good timing, right? For this team to get back on track, get to four and three. You're facing a team with a backup quarterback who, whether you have Carson Wentz or not, this is a bad football team. It's like the opposite almost, where it's like, they have everything to play for, just like the Jets. Really nothing to lose. I think the timing's bad. They are not going to write the ship in one week. The systemic problems, coaching, the scheme, the players, it's not going to get corrected in time. And I see I see them losing this game. You know, I think for the Packers who face the Bills next week, and okay, they've got the Lions the week after that, but then they've got the Cowboys, the Titans, the Eagles. This is a must-win game. You know, I thought that last week's was very close to being must win, but I think this is an absolute must win. I think it, I think if they fall to to three and four here with the Bills to come the following week, they're definitely falling to three and five. And not only in terms of their position in the di- in the division and even a wild card. I think losing begats losing, and I think once you get on that losing yeah. streak, the locker room starts to fall potentially starts to fall apart, and all kinds of things start. People start saying this. People start getting upset, understandably, and th- and those things they just you just get on a roll, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you've lost eight games in a row. I think it's a huge game. The Packers are somehow five and a half point favorites on the road. The over under currently is forty one point five. 
I know I'll get this wrong. So just let me go first because neither one of you will copy me because I can't seem to get any of them right. I said it last week and I was Eric from Greendale reminded me that I said the Packers were going to write the ship and blow the Jets out. And it was almost the exact opposite of what I said. I think I said 34, 14 Packers and it was almost the opposite of that. I think the Packers will win this football game. They are the better team, but I think they've been a better team in a lot of these games. I think they went, I'll say 24-20. That still puts them over the 41 and a half, and I'll clearly be wrong. So there's my prediction. Peter, what are your thoughts? I think the Packers will follow their pattern this season. They're playing a team that's under 500. So I think the Packers will win this game. But I think it will be a dogfight. I think this goes down to late in the fourth quarter and the Packers win 17-16. So they don't cover the spread and it's under. I'll take the under. I'll take the Packers to lose this game. I think they're going to lose 17-10. I honestly don't know how to react to you saying that the Packers are going to lose because you have never done that. This is a historical moment in the Average Chiefs podcast. You have just predicted the Packers were going to lose a game. I honestly think there are bigger problems going on with this team. They're they're much worse than anyone ever thought they were at the beginning of the season. So, and I know all along I've been saying, "Oh, bring in OBJ, OBJ, OBJ." Mm -hmm. I want to retract that because even if they bring him in right now, it's not going to be enough to to make a, a big enough impact. Let's talk about that next time on episode 100. We've made it to 100 episodes, 101 really, but (laughs) it'll be episode 100. There you go. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 99 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Jamal Reynolds episode. Go Pack Go. (laughs) Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. (laughs) 